Hello and welcome to a very special episode of Filmgasm, the first annual Filmgasm Awards. We're recording this on Sunday, January 12th, 2020, the day before the Oscar nominations are announced, so there will be no bias. This is our, uh, these are our decisions, our thoughts on the best movies of the year and what we think deserve a gazzy. <laughs> yes. Uh, thank you for being here, and uh, if you've been keeping up with most of our bonuses, you will be familiar with our thoughts on most of these movies, because we've covered pretty much... Yeah. The deal was we both had to see it, or else it couldn't be counted. Yeah. So, so there are going to be some notable absences. Speaking uh, of, yeah, are there any films you want to point out that you saw that I didn't see that might have a spot here, or that you just really liked, you know, that I didn't check out? Uh, I don't think so. I didn't see Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. That's, yeah, but... I'm, I'm upset with myself. Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood was good, but I don't think it holds... It's the caliber of thing, everything we put on here. Yeah. And, uh... And then I know that you'd wanted me to see Little Women. Yeah, but I didn't even see that. You didn't so. get to see it? Okay, yeah. so... That's yeah. that's moot then. <laughs> Neither yeah. of us saw Little Women. Yeah. Sorry, Greta. <laughs> <laughs> but we saw pretty much everything else. Yeah. And as of now... We still have to record several bonuses on uh, 1917, Marriage Story, Parasite, Parasite yeah. and... Uh, we, we might do uh, Knives Out, maybe. Who knows? Maybe, yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and what's great about, about this is, who's to say we're not going to do it as a bonus at some point for a different film later exactly. down the line. So, yeah, we're going to talk about all these, because there's even films that I, I think um, one that you'll enjoy later down the line is, uh, you'll give him another chance, is Trey Edward Schultz's Waves. Yeah. He made It Comes at Night, which I know you didn't like, but this is not this is this is not a horror movie at all. And he's any he used cinematographer that did Euphoria, the TV show on HBO. So way different than It Comes at Night. Way different. Um, he actually says Trey Edward Schultz says that after It Comes at Night came out because it had such mixed reviews, he was kind of depressed, and that's when he wrote Waves. So Waves is kind of a byproduct of how he felt after the backlash of It Comes at Night. Well, let's hope he learned something because that movie was fucking. <laughs> you should go. Awful. You should. You should check it out. It was. It was only showing here in San Antonio for like five whopping days. So, uh, I did go check it out. Yeah, I think you would love it. That's definitely the one that I'm trying to tell people like to check out when it does come out on yeah. DVD or streaming because I, I I think it got missed like big time. Okay. That's the only. That's the only one I loved. Honey Boy. Yeah, that was one um, I didn't get a chance to see. I think there's something else. Neither of us got got out to Pride and Glory, which I really wanted to go see. Yeah, with uh, Antonio Banderas, you know that's Pedro's movie. Yeah, um, there's something else that we that I wanted to see. Oh, it just came out. Just Mercy just came out. Just that, Mercy just came uh, out. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's the guy who made Short Term Twelve. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, yeah. There's things here and there you're gonna miss always, but uh, yeah. for the most part, we man, we saw a lot of films, man, and a lot yeah. of these we saw together. Mm-hmm. Like you said, we did bonuses on them, and we're going to do bonuses, so it was just such a fantastic year. Yes, it was. Yes, indeed. So some of these categories are going to be similar to the Oscars, some are going to be ones we've made up, and all of it is just going to be a fucking great time. So, here we go. The first annual Filmgasm Awards. I'm Connor Gary, And I'm Austin Johnson. Let's get started. <laughs> may have noticed our special filmgasm awards theme by my cousin ryan leone very talented musician and uh 
that might end up being our outro music. Still, still considering it. I hope you liked it. So let's begin with some negative shit. <laughs> our first award goes to the biggest disappointment of 2019. Oh yeah, our nominees are Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker. Didn't even see it. Yeah, there are some exceptions to films that <laughs> overall for the, for the shits. Yeah, yeah. overall yeah. we both have seen everything, yeah. but there are exceptions. One of those is Star Wars. Us, <laughs> Jordan Peele's second director, uh, second effort that did yeah. not live up to Get Out. In no, the it just didn't just didn't add up. No, Midsommar. Repeat it was great, but yeah, Midsommar, which was way more of a disappointment to me, yeah, than it was to Austin. I can accept that. Yeah. I'll let you have that one. So my other friends also really liked it, so that might just be a personal thing. <laughs> um, El Camino, a Breaking Bad movie. E. We both were very much looking forward to that. We had a whole party centered around it, and it turned out to be kind of a buzz, a bust. Yeah, yeah. But again, not a lot of people saw it that way. There were a lot of, there was a lot of praise on this one. Yeah, I don't understand that at all. Yeah. And then finally, X Men: Dark Phoenix. Yikes! Total goddamn dumpster fire to end Fox's Yikes. tenure with the X Men franchise. So, our nominees again, Star Wars, Us, Midsommar, El Camino, and X-Men Dark Phoenix. And the gazzy goes to El Camino, a Breaking Bad movie. <laughs> yes, yeah. so bad, so bad. And part of it is, like you said, we were so hyped for it. Yeah. And it just, just let us down so bad. It really did. Um, yeah. No film guys in there. No, not at all. No, it was... I wanted so much from that, and I felt like we got an episode nobody asked for. Like, yeah. The whole point, you know, I think the, big, the biggest, uh, one of the best things about the finale of Breaking Bad is it kind of leaves Jesse's future up in the air. Tells you, you know, is he going to get away? Is he going to get arrested? Are the Nazis, like, remnants going to go after him? Is the DEA going to be after him? Is the cartel going to be after him? And it turns out, no. <laughs> None of that. He's going to have a showdown. <laughs> He's going to have a showdown with a guy that we don't care about at yeah. all. Yeah. Nobody's right. going to be after him. The DEA cool. kind of don't, hunt him down that hard the cartels never even get mentioned yeah and we'll just throw jesse plemons in there and be he'll be really creepy for uh it's extraordinarily you know long amount of time and an unnecessary but yeah like fan service walt scene that yeah so out of place yeah just a total Uh, robert forster you're the only you're the only uh you know piece that i've walked away you know you're you're great rest in peace we love you you're not a part of this Uh, (laughs) no Uh, yeah, no, it was just not, yeah, let us down big time. Definitely deserves that award. Yeah, what a goddamn bummer. Oh, well. Now, the rest of the show is going to be very, very positive, so let's get into the good stuff. Best, <laughs> for, for real winners. Yes, absolutely. Best production design. The Lighthouse. 1917. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Rocket Man. And Joker. Wow. So what a group production design is the set design of a movie making the, the movie kind of it's a look. What is it going to be? Yeah. What is this world you're creating? Yeah. And it's very, you know, it's paramount to the way a movie speaks to somebody. If your movie, you know, looks like you made it in like a high school play. It's going to, you know, people are going to really, they're not going to give a shit. Yeah. But if you p- take the time to really build something spectacular, it's going to stay with people forever. Yeah, and it, you know, someone like Sam Mendes is who likes to, and he's like using location here, yeah. you know. Uh, it, it makes it really interesting now with, with all this technology we have and how we're able to 
just fucking shoot in any sort of weather or, you know, do, do anything we want now. Yeah. <laughs> With the camera, it's amazing. So yeah, this is a very, I think this is a very overlooked award. Yes. For no reason. I think if people, like you said, I think you broke it down just right. Um, this is very important because when you walk away, sometimes the vibe is what, is what really gets you. Like, uh, one of the, one of the biggest things I, I love, you know, Batman returns, you know, I'm a huge fan. The production design is why I love that movie. Yeah. <laughs> Solely. You know what I mean? It's, it's like why it lasts as long as it does for me, that Gotham, the way, the way it's set up and the way it's li- literally built. So uh, yeah. What, what, what's our winner here, Connor? You, Gazzy for best production design goes to 1917. Yes. For Sam Mendes. Incredible. Uh, yeah. Just the way he depicted World War I uh, torn France. It, you never once feel like this is a movie. It, the way it, it looks, it feels like war. Like yeah. pure carnage. Yeah. And he did that with, you know, the scene in the, the German trench. Oh, my God. Comes to mind. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. All the scenes in the trenches really like, yeah. There's no way, yeah. Same well, just as. just the the extras, the 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 men along the along the sides, like smoking or yeah. sleeping or just like reading. He uses whatever. people as set dressers. Yeah, it's kind it's of inc- amazing. It was incredible. I was smiling sometimes, just like, mm-hmm. wow, what a gift, you know? Yeah, there yeah, was so I, much. About I, I would that feel movie. wrong if we didn't give it to uh, you. Give it to 1917. Absolutely. And let's just touch on the rest of these nominees sure. a little bit. So the lighthouse takes place almost primarily inside and. Uh, turn-of-the-century lighthouse. Yes. These two men... Black and white. ...driving yeah. each other insane. And the set is... They built an actual lighthouse. Yeah. Actual size. That takes balls. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For a movie that you don't know who is actually going to even see it. For a movie that is... It completely shut out by the Oscars. Calling it right now. Nothing. Yeah, probably not. Yeah. Nobody's even talked about it. Yeah, I know. Since it came out. Sad. Then we got Once Upon a Time in Hollywood where Tarantino perfectly recreates 1960s Hollywood. I could see this winning the Oscar. Yeah. Yeah. But we'll see. But we'll see. We'll see. Then Rocket Man, which shows Elton John's musical journey through designing his house and his stages and his... The, yeah. Just... The Troubadour. S- stellar. Yeah. Unforgettable. And then Joker, which is just a war-torn, fucked-up Gotham City. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, Scorsese-esque, you know. Very, Yeah. Taxi driver. If if yeah, if Travis exactly. Bickle went to Gotham City. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Best production design, nineteen seventeen. Moving right along. I like it. Best stunt work. One that we think should be at the Oscars, and I can't believe they hasn't they haven't done this yet. Ridiculous. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Disrespectful. Stuntmen put their lives on the line every day. A lot of them die, and it gets swept under the rug and the movie keeps going. <laughs> yeah. It's the only like, if somebody, you know, if a stunt person dies in the film, they're going to do, like, a moment of silence. They're going to do, like, a, some kind of charity donation. But they're going to keep going. If, like, the second AD gets hit by a car, production stops. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Ridiculous. Absurd. So here's our nominees for best stunt work. John Wick Chapter 3, Parabellum. Ford v. Ferrari. 1917. Fast and Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw. And Ready or Not. And the Gazzy goes to John Wick Chapter Three. I mean, come on, of yeah. course. <laughs> yeah. How, how, yeah. The John Wick franchise is known for its incredible stunt work because the guys who make this franchise are former stuntmen who know what they're doing. And yeah, Keanu does almost all of his own stunts. Yes. And this movie especially had that scene with the fucking dogs. Oh my gosh! Uh, Jesus Christ! Yeah, for sure. John one, of, Wick 3. one of the coolest trilogies of all time. 
Yeah, and they're not even done. Oh, no. Yeah, no. Chapter 4 is set for next year, and I can't wait. Ford v. Ferrari had some incredible stunt driving. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, 1917, of course, you know, all the battle scenes, incredible. Yeah. And Hobbs and Shaw, while most of it's probably CGI, there are some pretty crazy stunts in that movie, the Fast and Furious franchise. They've, like, perfected it. Yeah. And then Ready or Not got overlooked big time. That was mm-hmm. a crazy movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, for those of you who didn't see it, it was a horror comedy where a woman marries into a rich gaming family, but in order to become one of them, she has to survive a psychotic game of hide-and-seek. And in reality, the family is trying to sacrifice her to the devil because they think if they don't, they're all going to die. It's a crazy story. That's but great. there are some insane stunts in that movie. There's a scene where the lead actress, I don't remember her name, she falls into a, like a container, like a giant vat of body parts. <laughs> and, oh god I feel bad for whoever had to do that stunt I know it wasn't really body parts but it looked sick Ugh. and I just I wanted to give that movie something for sure just really stood out this actually I know that Caleb and Josh are gonna hate this but this was a very there's barely I think there's barely any horror in our nominees just, it wasn't a very strong horror year I thought not for me either. yeah yeah I, I just uh, I just wrote we're gonna be releasing my top five and I, it was kind of hard to pick yeah I think there's like eight or nine good ones, but there's nothing. There aren't really any great ones. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, last year we got, or well, in 2018, we got Hereditary. Yeah. And, well, that's kind of all I needed. (laughs) Right? That was the best movie of the year. Yeah. Fucking hell. So, best stunt work, John Wick 3. Best villain. Best movie villain of the year. Uh-huh. The villains are special. They, you know, they're the foil. They're the antagonist. They're the fucked up visions of ourselves. And we always glob onto them because we're afraid of becoming them. Yes. And I, I've always gravitated towards movie villains. I think they're the most fascinating part of almost every movie. And this year, there was no shortage of crazy ass villains to root for. Or, I'm sorry, root against. Yeah. Almost showed my true colors there for a minute. Just be fascinated by. Yeah. <laughs> Here are the nominees for best villain. Joker. In Joker, Adolf Hitler, or I guess Adolf Hitler's imaginary spirit, Jojo Rabbit. Yeah. Agent Shaw, Richard Jewell, Lee Beebe, Ford v. Ferrari, and the goddamn hippies in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. The Gazzy goes to the goddamn hippies. hippies. (laughs) The motherfucking hippies led by Tex Watson, who tried to kill Rick Dalton and Cliff Booth, but got fucked up. In the process. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, I would include all those Spawn Ranch weirdos. You yeah. Know, yeah. Ugh. So, so freaky. Yeah. That movie did a great job of showing off the psychotic side of the, like, of the Manson family that just what he did to these people. Yeah. He turned them into shadows mm-hmm. of who they were. Monsters. And they went apeshit. And in real life, you know, they murdered, uh, they murdered Sharon Tate and her friends and, Change the course of Roman Polanski's life forever. Yes. And in this movie, they pick a different house, and Cliff Booth fucks him up with a can of dog food. <laughs> That's great. God, don't you wish history was written by Quentin Tarantino? So, let's take you through the nominees a bit. Of course, you know, Arthur Fleck, the man who would be the Joker. Obviously, kind of our hero and our villain of Joker. Just a sad, strange little man, <laughs> as Buzz Lightyear would say. <laughs> true but he's yeah you are he, sad. he did a great job 
But I don't know. It was, I think it was just because it was too predictable. I think we all knew where it was going. Yeah. And then Adolf Hitler. Yeah. <laughs> it's tough that Hitler loses the best villain. Right. In any situation. Taika Waititi's performance as Adolf Hitler was fantastic. Hilarious. I think it's because most of the film, he is kind of a goofy, goofy guy. He's not really evil Hitler to like the last 10 minutes of the movie. Yeah, yeah, because it's all a, a big, I'd say the first half of the movie is under this facade that this is all correct, that this yeah. is all okay. And then it unravels that it is not in his world, in their world, you know, yeah. from their perspective. What a genius movie. <laughs> I, I have a feeling it's going to get overlooked at the Oscars. but I bet, unfortunately. Whatever, whatever. Then we have Agent Shaw from Richard Jewell, the son of a bitch who propels this investigation into Richard Jewell's life with no evidence. For more info on that, check out our Richard Jewell bonus episode. Yes. And John Hamm plays Agent Shaw, and he does a great job being a total fucking scumbag. Yeah. But again, I think it's just, I don't know, there's something about him. Maybe because he is, you know, trying to do the right thing. He is trying to find a bomber. He's just doing it the wrong way. Yeah, he's just a prick. He is a total prick, yeah. And, I mean, he's based on a real person, too. And I don't want to, you know, bad mouth him that much, or else I'm going to end up on a list somewhere. Then we have Lee Beebe. They're listening to us. Executive of Ford Motors, who fucks up Ken Miles' big win, <laughs> played by uh, Josh Lucas. And he was, just a pr- he was just a slimy little shit. The whole time. <laughs> yeah, every scene he's in. Great villain, but I just wanted to scrape him off my boot. What an absolute... <laughs> ugh. He makes me sick. He makes me sick. (laughs) Yeah, agreed. Yeah, and of course, you know, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood had the goddamn hippies. Yeah, no one else was pretty much going to take that one. Yeah, yeah. Moving on, we have best biopic. True stories are so much stranger than fiction, and here here at Filmgasm, we love tales of what really happened. Yeah. There's always a lot of artistic license taken, but sometimes not that much, surprisingly. And these are our nominations for Best Biopic. For V. Ferrari, Rocket Man, Dolomite Is My Name, Richard Jewell, and The Two Popes. Mm. And the as he goes to Ford V. Ferrari. Oh, yes. That was a crazy story I knew nothing about that yep. blew my fucking mind. With, like, mega movie stars, and they just, yeah, it was great. The movie blew my mind. Loved it. Also going to get overlooked, I think. Yes. Uh, at the Oscars, but that's all right. It is. I think it's going to get a lot of technical stuff. Yeah, yeah, nominations. But yeah, I yeah. don't think it's going to win them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What a shame. But yeah, here they are, you know. Um, I, you know, As time goes on, this this a category like this is just going to get stronger and stronger and stronger. Uh, you know, what, what more can we do? But they're going to keep blowing my mind. Yeah. I'm going to keep going and keep being like, wow, what, a, what an experience in the theater. And that's what Ford Rishvari is. Wow. I'll never forget the the, the noise, you know, and, and hearing Christian Bale talk about, you know, the, the rumbling. Lap. Yeah. And, and the rumbling, you know, you can hear her breathing under you, you know, and, and you actually feeling that in the theater because of how loud it is. It was great. I just had yeah. such a blast with that film. Ford V. Ferrari tells the true story of Carol Shelby and Ken Miles, two yes. men tasked with Ford Motors to build a car that is fast enough to defeat Ferrari at the 24 Hours of Le Mans, which it did. Yeah. Crazy story. It really is. It's great. I, yeah, I love this movie. It's <laughs> not really like, there's a lot of them made like it, but not really. You know, it's just the classic, um, you know, American dream, you know, like we can, we can beat them, you know? Yeah. If we just put our minds to it. 
but it, it, it's like a really, it actually is a really cool story. Like you said, it's not in the history books and it's not a commonly you know known thing. It's, it's about racing. It's not. Those about are like, the coolest stories. Too, yeah. The ones that don't make it. Just get history lost. Books. Yeah. Yeah. Then we have Rocket Man, which is the story of music legend Elton John and his struggles with substance abuse and his sexual identity. Great movie. Would have been my second choice, but something about Ford v. Ferrari just had that special spark. But Rocket Man is amazing. Solid. Amazing Solid. film. It's going to last for a long time. It's a musical about Elton John. Who wouldn't fucking love that? <laughs> Dolomite Is My Name tells the story of Rudy Ray Moore, the exploitation icon who created the, the comedy character Dolomite as part of his stand-up routine, turned it into a movie, and became a pop culture icon in the process. Yeah. Eddie Murphy's comeback vehicle, another fantastic movie. Yes, I, yeah. yeah I any would. other year could have taken this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Love Dolomite. Shit's on Netflix. Oh, hell yeah. Netflix fucking scored this award season. They had some My hits. My God. <laughs> including including our, our uh, big loser of the night, El Camino. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get more to that later on. We get to the bigger awards. We have Richard Jewell, the story of a security guard who saved lives at the Atlanta bombing in 1996 and got fucked over by the feds, who then announced he was the prime suspect, which was then carried on in the media, and his life was turned upside down. Another fantastic movie. Everything's so goddamn strong this year. Yes. It was so great. Yeah, this is an awesome group of five movies right here. And then finally, we have The Two Popes, another Netflix production, yep. which tells the story of the of the uh, transfer of power between Pope Benedict XVI and Pope Francis, a change in the Catholic Church from conservatism to liberalism, and the two men who made that possible, Anthony Hopkins and Jonathan Price. Amazing, really entertaining film. I was not expecting to like that much. Me, me neither. Yeah. I just kind of went into it like, ah, oh, this will probably be kind of boring and have good performances. No, no, it's good. I was engaged like yeah, yeah the whole me too. time. Me too. All right, best biopic Ford v Ferrari. Yeah. Moving right along. Yes, sir. Next up we have best sequel. Sequels come and go. A lot of them are shit. Sometimes <laughs> there is a great one. Sometimes the story's continued the right way. Yeah. And you know, we get a Terminator 2 or a Godfather Part 2 or a Lord of the Rings the Return of the King. Yeah. Or a St- Empire Strikes Back. There's all, you know, but a lot of the times, you know, we get a Charlie's Angels full throttle. So, <laughs> but this year, there were some great sequels, and here are our nominees. Avengers Endgame, John Wick Chapter 3, Parabellum, Spider-Man Far From Home, Toy Story 4, and Zombieland Double Tap. And for those of you who listen to our top 10 of the decade, you know that the Gazzy goes to Avengers Endgame. One of the most incredible films ever made. Part four of the Avengers franchise, but part 20, 21 or 22 of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a film that capped off an incredible journey in a way that I didn't think was possible. And of course, <laughs> best sequel. Yeah. What else could beat that? Yeah. When you wrap something up, you know, that wonderfully with like a pretty little bow. Yeah. Hands <laughs> down. Not even close. Fuck yeah. Not even close. John Wick Chapter 3. Continued the story of John Wick. Uh, well, it's part three, if you didn't catch that. He's now on the run with no support system, and every assassin in the world wants his head. So at the end, you know, at the end of chapter two, we were like, oh shit, what's he gonna do? Turns out he's gonna kick more ass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. Jesus. Oh yeah. 
And I think that had the highest reviews of the entire franchise so far, John Wick 3. Yeah. I think the best thing about this franchise is that it's not just great for fans. Critics fucking love this too. It's exactly. It's a universally loved, great franchise. And that's yeah. incredible for Keanu to have that. Yeah. Hell yeah. He deserves it. Neo, Neo or John Wick? John Wick. Yeah, okay. Absolutely. I'm just asking, you know? <laughs> I like to think John, the John Wick franchise is Neo's <laughs> kung fu program. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's great. At the end of the John Wick franchise, I want him to open his eyes, and I want it to be that scene in The Matrix where he goes, I know kung fu. Yeah, yeah. Wouldn't that be perfect? <laughs> Spider-Man Far From Home was the second of Tom Holland's Spider-Man movies, the follow-up to Avengers Endgame, which was not... Uh, you know, not easy to pull off, but it ended up being one of the most entertaining Marvel's movies so far. A great uh, partnership between Tom Holland and Jake Gyllenhaal and had some really cool surprises that show off the future of the MCU and was another billion dollar hit for Marvel. (laughs) So, yeah, wonderful. Toy Story 4, another film that scored a billion dollars, was an unnecessary sequel I was actually dreading because Toy Story... You know, one, two, and three were so perfect. Yeah. We didn't need a fourth film, but the fourth film was so good. It, like, added to it somehow, yeah. It made me cry. It was amazing. And then Zombieland Double Tap, which which was stuck in production hell for years, because I guess all the actors, you know, took off and were busy now. <laughs> but they finally did it, and it was great. <laughs> I thought it was going to suck, but I thought it was just as good as the first movie. I thought it was hilarious. But, like I said... None of those films that, you know, live up to Avengers Endgame. So, Bob's your uncle. <laughs> Next up, best cinematography. The way a movie is filmed is everything. Camera angles can make or break a movie. And if you have somebody amazing like Roger Deakins or Dean Cundy behind the camera, you can create something that is going to live forever. Yes. And our nominees for Best Cinematography are 1917, Joker, The Lighthouse, Parasite, and Ford v. Ferrari. And the Gazzy goes to 1917. (laughs) Jesus H. Frankenchrist. This movie... (laughs) This movie was built on cinematography, and it was filmed in a way that will never... It'll be duplicated forever but they'll never get it right. No. This was no. unique. And like I mentioned, Roger Deakins, he's the guy behind the camera on this one. Yeah. And that guy has been doing it for years. He's a goddamn legend. Yeah. And when you have like, yeah, it, when you have a tandem like Mendez and him who are both so caring and so they like caress their work, you know, <laughs> care about it so much. They're, they're both right there doing everything. It's just... Very special to see it unfold. This movie is World War One through the eyes of two men. Mm-hmm. And you get to see the horrors of war as witnessed by them, by the way the camera films them. Yeah. And I know we, we didn't do a film editing category, but I would, I would lump that in with this for now. Y- yes. Especially with this movie, because it's edited for one to look like one continuous take, which is incredible. You can't tell when the camera cuts away, if it cuts away at all. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Phenomenal film. 1917. Yeah. And the rest of those movies, you know, Joker is very, as 
beautiful cinematography as does the lighthouse, which is filmed in black and white in a box ratio. Parasite, kind of you know, filmed to resemble the you know lower class versus the upper class. And then four v Ferrari is just you know some fun fucking racing, <laughs> and the the way that those races are filmed puts you right in the center of the action. Yes. So yeah, this is a tough year <laughs> for pretty much everything, which is a good thing. Oh yes. <laughs> to minor technical difficulties. Chika <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. Next up, we have best visual effects. And obviously, you know, there's we're in the age of spectacle. Blockbusters are getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And, you know, the tech to create digital masterpieces has only improved to the point where you can do pretty much anything now. And it's amazing. And here, here are our nominees for visual effects. Avengers Endgame. Spider-Man Far From Home. Rocket Man. Ad Astra. And Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker. And the Gazzy goes to Avengers Endgame, once again. <laughs> why do you... Th- wh- why? It has to. Yeah. It has to. It... This came out quite some time ago, and maybe some people were like, oh, this isn't, this isn't an award season movie. De- hey, get the fuck out of here, you know? <laughs> Just because it came out in April, May, whenever it was. What was it? May or April? I think it was early May. Yeah, I think that's yeah. right. It just... Every dollar counted here. Yeah. Every single dollar counted. Uh, I don't feel the same way about some movies that came out this year. The uh, <coughs> Irishman. But I, <laughs> I I feel as though um, Endgame is the... Not my favorite of the Marvel movies, so you know that. Yeah. Listeners know that. But I think it is the, you know, the pinnacle. It is the peak. It is the climax. It is the encapsulation. And it, does, it doesn't disappoint at all. It is captivating as hell. <laughs> It is on such a pedestal, and they got so much better at what they were doing from the first Avengers to that one. You yeah. know what I mean? They Even when they don't need to, when they have all the, the fans and all the money coming their way, they're still like, let's put it back into the, the content, into the craft. That I respect greatly. Yes. Um, and yeah, they deserve the award. The reason this won out for me is the scene where all the heroes unite yeah. Yeah, to yeah, yeah. take on Thanos' army. Unbelievable! That... <laughs> The, the level of effects work that went into that, and it never looks like fu- you know fuzzy or anything. It's amazing. It's perfect. It's all fully realized characters. And again, with Thanos, he never feels like a CGI creation. He's not Steppenwolf in Justice League. I, yeah. He is a character with his own desires and his fears and his hatreds. And you either love or hate him. Yeah. It's amazing. I love him. I love him too. The guy's scary. I am inevitable. <laughs> So, Spider-Man Far From Home, again, features some incredible visual effects, especially with Mysterio and his illusions. Yeah, yeah. So cool. Yeah. So cool. That makes that, puts that movie on to a a different level. For sure. When Mysterio starts doing his shit. It's great. Rocket Man features some incredible musical moments where you get to see kind of inside Elton John's mind of how he visualizes these songs and the big moments of his life. Very beautiful. Some great spectacle. Yeah. Ad Astra... While kind of a weak movie, features some incredible space scenes and yeah. like the way they created space. James Gray is yeah. great at that, that that sort of thing. And then Star Wars is fucking Star Wars. They always excel in the, defect, the effects department. Yeah, you're always going to be blown away. Yeah. That's why, yeah, if you, you can be eight or nine years old and it doesn't matter if it's a good or bad movie. They could use some fucking work on the story. 
But yeah. visual effects has never been Star Wars' problem. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. briefly in the in the nineties, but it's yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're so not usually, here to talk about usually that. they're strong suit. Yeah, yeah. Star Wars is <laughs> for a different time. Yeah. Avengers Endgame takes best visual effects. Yes, got to, has to. Best score. The score might be my favorite part of a movie. The music that stays with you. Yeah, it's it's tough. It, it stays in your head. Yeah, yeah, I listen to them all the time, you know, in my car. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. I agree. I just, one of my favorite movies, No Country for Old Men, doesn't have music. Even though, I, I, because of that, I would argue that that in itself is a score. Yeah, 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 yeah. Agreed. No score is a score. Agreed, agreed, <laughs> agreed. Well, just like I think the the T-Rex in Jurassic Park is very much a part of the score. Yeah. You know, that, that you know, that's, that was horrible. I'm kind of... I, <laughs> I'm actually kind of sick. <laughs> that was Fuck. so bad. That was so high pitched. Oh my god! Like, Sorry, guys. That was more like a raptor, I guess. I guess like a very, like a dying one. <laughs> I'll take it because I don't want any live raptors in here. You know? <laughs> you know what I mean? So our nominees for best score: Nathan Johnson for yes. Knives Out, Alan Silvestri for Avengers Endgame, yes, Mark Corvin for The Lighthouse, Thomas Newman for 1917, and the Newton Brothers for Doctor Sleep. And the gassy goes to Thomas Newman for 1917. 1917. The music of that movie is heartbreaking. <laughs> yeah, and the te- it keeps that tempo. It keeps you know. the tension up to fucking 11. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Jesus Christ. Love it. But this was a year where a lot of, poss- you know, anything could have taken this. Nathan Johnson's, like, annoyingly upbeat, bouncy score for Knives Out. Yeah. Keeps you on your toes the whole time. Alan Silvestri's super dramatic, pumped up Avengers Endgame score. Yeah. Mark Corvin's subtle but terrifying score for The Lighthouse. And the Newton Brothers revamped Shining score, Wendy Carlos' classic theme. Yeah, this could have gone to anybody, but Thomas Newman had that it factor this time. Yeah. (laughs) Agreed. Best screenplay. Here we go. All right. Getting into the heavy hitters. Getting into the heavy ones now. The big ones. Marriage Story, <coughs> Noah Baumbach, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Quentin Tarantino, Jojo Rabbit, Taika Waititi, I think, right? Yeah. Good. Parasite, Bong Joon-ho, and Uncut Gems, the Safdie Brothers. <sighs> what a... Wow, wow. What a bunch, man. Wow. Stellar group. Yeah. Stellar. All of these could take it in any other year, really. It's that... That for pretty much everything from here on out. Yeah, and there's there's so many that we don't have here. That, yeah, you know what I mean. It's, we yeah. we narrowed it down to five because you have to, you know, you got to cut cut it off somewhere. We don't like the Oscars has extended it to ten for the past ten years, or at least you know eight or nine. <laughs> yeah, five was fine. You know, because you had five, you weren't getting nominees like, you know, fucking extremely loud and incredibly close. You were getting the best of the best. Yeah. But now we're getting, now we got to fill, t- fill spots, which is ridiculous. Not for me. Best screenplay goes to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. <laughs> it's tough. It's tough to beat a OQT um, yeah. at this point. The man has obviously written, you know, Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, Jackie Brown, you know, Kill Bill, uh, Death Proof, you know, all these, you Glorious know, Bastards, Bastards Hateful Eight, yeah, and now, <laughs> and now this. Maybe, maybe his best script of all time. Whew. Maybe. Damn. Maybe. That's hard, but it's, maybe. Yeah. I think he's on track to get his third Oscar for this. Yeah. And it's, it is an unbelievable story. The guy has a, 
a fucking talent. I don't know what it is, but the dude tells a story like it's nobody just, else. It's like a hangout movie with Leo and Brad Pitt on just, just, just so many drugs. You know, it's like roided up. We're just watching a crack. TV actor's career die. But then, you know, also the Manson family shit's happening. Yeah, just stuff. Yeah, it's just so it's crazy. Yeah, brilliant. Marriage story. Noah Baumbach wrote in a great story very personal story about his divorce from Jennifer Jason Lee. And it shows that there's a lot of heart in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. I really, really thoroughly enjoyed marriage story. Jojo rabbit was a great adaptation and it's just a movie that really stands out because of how insane it is and how you couldn't pitch this even five years ago. (laughs) Yeah. No, (laughs) we follow a, peppy Hitler youth while he talks to an imaginary Hitler and hates Jews and finds one in his clo- in his walls? You fucking kidding me? Yeah. My God. Probably not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> mm. And then Bong Joon-ho's Parasite is a story unlike any other, a brutal tale of the class divide in South Korea. Again, could have taken this. But. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and Jesus then Christ. Uncut Gems, a story about a fucking asshole's descent into financial ruin because of his own goddamn mistakes. <laughs> but what a great descent it is. <laughs> yeah. What an entertaining yeah. spiral. Yeah, <laughs> for is. sure. <laughs> All right. Best screenplay. Once upon a time in Hollywood. Yeah, Quentin Tarantino takes it. Next up, we got best director. Oh, Quentin Tarantino. Once upon a time <laughs> in Hollywood. <laughs> Robert Eggers, the lighthouse. Taika Waititi, Jojo Rabbit, Bong Joon-ho, Parasite, and Sam Mendes, 1917. It's almost the same lineup as screenplay. There were a lot of written and directed buys this year. Yes, yeah. which is which is something that you and I obviously we both love. We love when a when a a person can can knock out of the park in both um, vision and actual pen to paper. This was the year of the auteur. <sighs> I really wish Paul Thomas Anderson would have had one. Just because it's like, you know, let me throw my shit in there. I, you know? I don't, because I don't need another film to shove into these awards. I, there's that's too much true, good shit true, this year. That's true. Never mind. You're right. <laughs> there's too much. You're right. You're right. I don't need PTA throwing his hat into the ring. Too. Throwing his Oscar yeah. bait. PTA, the fucking <laughs> Coen brothers. Like, yeah, just throw yeah, it yeah. all in the Wes Anderson. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Where's David Fincher? Jesus. Thank Christ that didn't happen. We already got, you know. Tarantino and Sam Mendes and Noah Baumbach. Scorsese. Scorsese and Taika Waititi. It's, it's insane. <laughs> Greta yeah. Gerwig. Like, fucking hell, right. man. Jordan Peele. Ari Aster. Ah. <laughs> Andy Muschietti. Ah. Mike Flanagan. Fucking hell. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Ryan, Ryan Johnson for something that is different than Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> and J.J. proving it's probably he's the problem. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Best director goes to Sam Mendes for 1917. This is his masterpiece. Uh, yes. Sam Mendes. I've given a lot of nines to Sam Mendes. I didn't think I would. Like, looking back on his career, American Beauty, Road to Perdition, Skyfall, and fucking 1917. It's got a skill, man. Yeah. It's got a skill. <laughs> and I think he's, he's due to take his second Oscar for directing this year again. He won for his debut in American Beauty. And I think he's taking it again. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do think he's going to win. His talent behind this... I just can't stop thinking about it. It's insane. It's an incredible movie. Yeah, yeah, for sure. What a feat! Mm-hmm. And again, all f- all four of those other directors did an incredible job this year and could could have taken it. Yeah, there's so many. Yeah, there's just, yeah. What a year <laughs> for sure. <laughs> all right, 
now we got the acting categories. <laughs> Best Supporting Actress. Sodom Park, Parasite. Thomas and McKenzie, Jojo Rabbit. Margot Robbie, Bombshell. Kathy Bates, Richard Jewell. Laura Dern, Marriage Story. And before we pick a winner here, let's talk about each of these ladies' career, uh, performance this year. Okay. Sodom Park played in Parasite the character Kim Ki-jung, the younger, si- the younger sister of our hero, and she fucking hates the rich. And I think it's her idea to do this. It fe- I think he... Ha- it feels like he wanted to actually make some money. She's the engine. She's the... Yeah, she's the brains behind... The operation. The operation here. Yeah. <laughs> okay, hold on. Yo. <laughs> we haven't done a bonus on this movie. Yet. If you have, yeah, yet. We will. If you haven't um, watched this, my God, what are you doing? Yeah. Go see Parasite or, or whatever. I don't know what you have to do to see it now. It's probably still playing because you just saw it, what? Two weeks ago? Two weeks ago. So yeah. it might, might still be playing. I don't know. It is so stellar. Every performance is a knockout. Uh, yeah, I, I I can't say enough about it. It's hard to not it's hard to not like spoil. But yeah, it's really I, tough not to spoil. I, I agree with you. She is kind of the engine of of the film. But you she's, can feel her rage she's instigating and, and, and her yeah. she's getting she's getting off on this. Like, yeah, she's very clearly getting yeah. off on. And if you have seen Parasite, you yeah. know what we're fucking talking. Yeah, about. she's manipulating <laughs> these people, and yeah. it was a great performance. It really is. Yeah, it really is crazy, unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Thompson McKenzie's character in Jojo Rabbit is a. Jewish girl hiding from the Nazis in the walls of a young Hitler youth named Jojo. And he finds her, hates her, writes about her fake culture, and befriends her and falls in love with her, and then lies to her about the war being over. It's a roller coaster film, folks. <laughs> yeah, I'd say so. And yeah, she did an incredible job portraying a girl who has lost everything, but really wants to fuck with this kid because it's kind of all she's got. Ooh, damn. Margot Robbie in Bombshell plays a Fox News hopeful who is sexually assaulted by Roger Ailes. And she's, the movie is a true story, but her character is kind of a compilation of various other characters, other real people who were hurt by Roger Ailes and his fucking hedonistic lifestyle yeah and she did an incredible job of showing somebody who wanted a career in news and was willing to do anything to get it until she realized what she'd have to become and it was so sad god dude she has one scene in the movie that is fucking heartbreaking and i won't get to that here but it's the reason she's on this list Uh, agreed yes Kathy Bates and Richard Jewell plays Richard Jewell's mother, Bobby, who is forced to watch her son be vilified in the media and has her life uprooted in the process and tries her best to help her son fight through this. It's a great performance. And uh, you had mentioned that the scene that got her in here was her speech. Yeah, her speech at the end is, the is yeah addressing the media about, you know, what they essentially, how they're, they're victims of the media and how they've changed their lives the past three months. You know, it's like 88 days or something where they're basically locked in their own home. It's just so sad. And Kathy Bates has that. She has that gift of being able to kind of bring it for, for like a moment. You know, great, great actors do that. You know, great performers do that. They can just kind of 
be there the whole film. And then when they're there, they need to step up and like, you know, hit the home run. They do that. That's what she did in this movie. If that's not there, the movie's not as good. You like, you need that speech. And then you need the speech from her son standing up for himself. Finally saying, fuck you guys. Like I thought this logo was like special. Clearly it's not, you know, there was a scene in Dexter where um, at the beginning of season five, when Dexter's wife is killed, I'm spoiling it, but it's been out for, yeah, it's been over for years. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, (laughs) the FBI wants to question Dexter and Deborah stands, says something like, you know what FBI stands for? Fucking bunch of idiots. (laughs) (laughs) And that's what I was thinking the entire time I was watching Richard Richard Jewell. Jewell, Yeah. Does not paint the FBI in a flattering light. Anyone in a flattering light. No, really. Then finally, we have Laura Dern in Marriage Story as a brutal fucking divorce attorney. That's my Oscar prediction. Is, <laughs> yeah. Is Laura Dern. I think she's overdue. She's like textbook good in, yeah. in, in Marriage Story. She manipulates uh, Charlotte Johansson's character as a way to make a buck for herself. Yeah. And turns this into a circus. Yeah. Almost single-handedly. And you fucking hate her. She's terrible. She's yeah. terrible. But she's such great performance. Yeah, Laura Dern, man. My gosh. <laughs> so, recap. Sodom Park, Parasite, Thomas and McKenzie, Jojo Rabbit, Margot Robbie, Bombshell, Kathy Bates, Richard Jewell, Laura Dern, Marriage Story, and the Gazzy goes to Sodam Park for Parasite. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Sodam Park! Yeah. She's amazing. Unbelievable. Man. She's going to be in... I, I don't know her career thus far. I'm, But I'm going to yeah. look into it now. Parasite introduced me, for the most part, to Korean film. I've seen a couple, but never anything like this. And now I'm going no to be hunting has. that shit down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the thing about Parasite is like you, you, you can. I found some articles about people who are into Korean film or um, foreign films in general, and Bong Joon Ho is obviously a big name. The host and Okja and Snowpiercer, and now this. It's like the guys. The guy's a freak. You know, he's a he's a serious talent. But um, how cool is it that? Because of a performance from, you know, like Sodom Park. Now, now, like, you and I are be- going to become fans of more Korean films. Yeah. And start di- start digging into her career just as I would dig into, you know, I, a girl I love right now is Florence Pugh, you know, uh, an uh, uh, English-speaking actress. So, like, that's just, that's really cool. And, um, I yeah, I just felt right. We both felt right choosing her. Yeah. Because she blew us away. Performance knows no language barrier. Yeah. My God, yeah. she like you said, she's the engine of this film, and it and the film is so good that if she's not there, it's just I'm not, it's not possible. Yeah. Uh, wow, man, I'm yeah, I was blown away. But I cannot, like you said, I'm not uh, familiar with her career or her filmography. I have no idea what she's been in the past. I don't even know how old she is really, but I cannot wait to see other things. I'm go like my radar is all the way up for. I'm gonna see everything Bong Joon has done because there's a couple I'm missing. Yeah. And then I'm yeah, K- Korean films are now on the fucking map for so many American people and people people not just Americans people all over the world because of Parasite. Yeah, Parasite has changed the game, made so much money. Oh, it's great, dude. Fuck yeah, it really is cool. All right, Sodan Park, Parasite. Yeah, best supporting actor. Whew. this is a group. Oh yeah, I think without a doubt this particular category at the Oscars for the past like 50 fucking years has been more competitive than yeah. any other and this is kind of you know for Connor and I we you know as a you know movie fans we we tend to we, we love character actors and we love uh you know the PSHs yeah. is what I'd say is what I call it 
<laughs> um, those are kind of the guys we we lean towards, the ones who are kind of willing to go there, you know, and be like a little, a little unhinged, yeah. and just change change the pace up. Best supporting actors that's where our, the character actors shine. That's our shit. Yeah, yeah. Fucking yeah. I would. I think it should be renamed the Philip Seymour Hoffman Award for Excellence. I actually do. Yeah, <laughs> I do too. I do too. All right. Nominees are Willem Dafoe for The Lighthouse, Brad Pitt for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Kang Ho Song for Parasite, Taika Waititi for Jojo Rabbit, and Al Pacino for The Irishman. Man. <laughs> what a bunch. Stellar group. I'll point out right away. Kang Ho Song is the father and Parasite. Um, so we got the we got the the daughter and the father are both nominated here at the Gazzies. <laughs> um he he did things in that movie. There was like a week after I saw it in the theaters where I was just like, fuck. <laughs> yeah. Particularly, I'll point it out because it doesn't doesn't really spoil it. But whatever, if you don't want to hear it, then you can turn it off, I guess. <laughs> well, uh, in Parasite, you, 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 the scene when he's in the car and he's driving, he's driving the wealthy, the the wealth, the other wealthy dad, yeah. and he's a uh, yeah, I'm wow, just <laughs> yeah, what he what he's able to do with the facial expressions, like you said about the language barrier, it's just completely broken down, um, and I you, you don't notice it at all. The movie just goes does just goes and again he's a big part of it <laughs> he's great uh who else do we have uh willem dafoe my god the light the lighthouse what if what two guys you know I, I, those are the two guys i'd want is robert pattinson and uh and willem dafoe here just stuck in a lighthouse together that's great uh, obviously we talked about the production design of that film earlier but willem dafoe is what i've walked away he's captain ahab he's, he's a un- salty sea he's captain unbelievable in this yeah. and he's saying things that i felt like willem dafoe should have been saying for you spilled your beans. hundred years now. Yeah. <laughs> what a... Ugh. Oh my gosh. Help me recollect. <laughs> oh my gosh. You're fond of me lobster, aren't you? <laughs> God. Yeah, that that movie has stayed in my head for months. Me, <laughs> it's ridiculous. Me too. Spoiler alert. That's my favorite horror movie of the year. Woo! Lighthouse. <laughs> what about you? My favorite horror movie of the year? Because like you said, we don't have a lot of the horror represented here. We don't, here. really. What, what, what is, what's been your... What was your favorite? <sighs> Probably. We're just breaking away for a minute here, yeah. Hmm. Probably ready or not. Nice. Yeah. Okay. I thought it chapter two was good. Yeah, yeah. But way too fucking long. Yeah. And ready or not, I keep thinking about. <coughs> That's good. Yeah, it was really smart. It was really funny, and it ends like completely fucking opposite the way you think it's gonna go. Hell yeah! Like brilliant. Yeah. Doctor Sleep. I, again, I really liked it. Yeah. I was really upset that it didn't do. As Anything. Well. Yeah, I know, I, know, I know. Such a bummer. But uh, yeah, I thought Stephen King was kind of hit or miss this year. Yeah, which agreed. Is, which sucks. Yeah. And um, as of today, he's going to have The Outsider premiering on HBO. Yes. Which is great. Can't wait for that. And uh, yeah, I'm going to have to think more on that. But first thing comes to mind is Ready or Not. Hell yeah. Yeah. I like it. Right, so we had, who, who have we talked about? Uh, Defoe song. song. Brad Pitt as Cliff Booth. I mean. Stuntman extraordinaire and the most loyal friend a fucking washed up TV actor could ever have. He's just perfect. He's, um, yeah. Yeah. He's your guy. He's the guy you want. He's going to win. Come on. You know. (laughs) (laughs) He's winning everything. Yeah. Every award show. It's just Brad Pitt, Brad Pitt, Brad Pitt, Brad Pitt. (laughs) There, There hasn't, I can't remember a time when there was a more unanimous just, yeah. Yeah, I hope so it's Cliff Booth. <laughs> <laughs> there's no, there's just you know, it ain't happening. 
We got Taika Waititi as Adolf Hitler in Jojo Rabbit. Unbelievable. The imaginary friend of Jojo who is there to help him with his self-esteem, but slowly <coughs> over the course of the movie becomes way more like the real Hitler. Yes. And it's, he also wrote and directed this, and the guy's a fucking genius. The way he did Hitler was so smart. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I don't think he's got a chance at the Oscars, which is a shame, but he fucking is represented here. Ah, uh, yeah, he won in our hearts, yeah. And then Al Pacino in The Irishman as union boss Jimmy Hoffa. The Whew. best part of that movie. Agreed. And, spoilers, the only nomination that movie's gonna get here. Yes, that is it. Yeah. Compared to everything else, we didn't think it was up to par. Yeah, no. But Al Pacino's performance was his best work in years, and he deserves to be singled out for that. All right, so to recap, we have Willem Dafoe for The Lighthouse, Brad Pitt for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Kang Ho Song for Parasite, Taika Waititi for Jojo Rabbit, and Al Pacino for The Irishman, and the gazzy goes to Brad Pitt. Come on. Cliff Booth. <laughs> easy. Too easy. Oh, yeah. He's taking the Oscar. No doubt about it. He's taking everything. Yeah. And he's yeah. fucking earned it. It's You know, Brad Pitt's been there. He's been around for a long time. He's delivered amazing performances that I think get overlooked because he's a movie star. Yep. And... Because of how good looking he is. Yeah. And he deserves this. Yeah, and you know, what a year. He had this and Ad Astra, you know, just unbelievable. Yeah, for sure, man. The guy's a superstar. He is. He's our superstar. Yes. Ah, <laughs> uh, Best Actress. The nominees are Renee Zellweger for Judy, Aquafina for The Farewell, Charlize Theron, Bombshell, Ana de Armas, Knives Out, Scarlett Johansson, Marriage Story. So, let's talk about them. Renee Zellweger played Judy Garland. Yes. Hollywood's saddest story in the film Judy. And it was a hell of a performance, a comeback for Renee Zellweger. Yeah, yeah. It's always been a little off to me, a little weird. Uh, yes. But she did an amazing job as Judy Garland, really disappeared into the role. And I think she's got it in the bag, probably, at the Oscars. Yeah, I do, t- I do too. I Yeah. I just don't see who, yeah, who, who's going to beat her, you know? Well, we'll see. You never know. Yeah, because I thought Glenn Close had it in the bag last exactly, year. Exactly, exactly. And yeah. you're just like, oh, who's going to be, who's going to be? And you know, I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> Aquafina stars as a girl who realizes her grandmother is dying and is forced to keep that secret, despite really not wanting to keep that secret. Yeah. And it's killing her the entire movie. The farewell, yeah. The divide between, you know, American and Chinese cultures yeah. and... Aquafina was a YouTube comedian who got discovered in uh, with Ocean's 8 yes. and has since taken off as a hell of a, a performer and really earned my respect with this movie. Oh my gosh, yeah. Yeah, I didn't think she had it in her. Well, in Lulu Wong, just, she wrote and directed this, like... Based on a story from her life. Yeah, exactly, so yeah. And Lulu Wong, you know, dating Barry Jenkins, you know. What the hell? What's going <laughs> on? What's going on, man? Too creative. Yeah, that's great. Well, Aquafina was awesome. Definitely uh, some uh, a performance I'm not going to forget. Absolutely. In a film that is going to get overlooked. Yep. Ah, man, that movie was so, so good. Charlize Theron plays former Fox News anchor Megan Kelly. Yes. Who suffered sexual harassment at the hands of Roger Ailes and is struggling with her decision whether or not to come out and support the other women who are coming forward, led by Gretchen Carlson in Bombshell. And she did an amazing job transforming into Megan Kelly. It really felt like her. The makeup job was so great. Weird. The way she holds herself, the way she like the cadence in her voice, yeah, really feels like Megan Kelly. 
my only issue with that movie is the way they portrayed Megyn Kelly as like a saint, like a hero doing the right thing. Fuck that shit. Yeah, I that movie is. I'm, I'm so torn on it. Yeah, because I'm like I don't know what to feel. As a as a movie, it's great. As a depiction of history, yeah, yeah, weak. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. that's kind of feel. Yeah, there's a lot like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I won't point the others out. But Charlize is great. Yes, she is. They they really all are. Yeah, they really are. And like we pointed out, there's a lot of like cameos and fun. Like whoa, Richard Kind plays Rudy Giuliani. Yeah, fuck yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so great. Ana de Armas plays. Uh, what was her name? I can't remember. Her knives Out. Um, <laughs> I cannot remember. I can't either. She plays the uh, per- physical therapist of a acclaimed uh, true crime or uh, mystery author, played yeah. by Christopher Plummer, who ends up killed somehow and she ends up the recipient of his massive fortune and everyone tries to find out why and how and who done it and Ana de Armas fucking fantastic great I think one of the strongest parts of this movie actually I, she's my favorite yeah she's fantastic amongst and that that's hold on that's amongst Tony Collette, Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, Daniel Craig, Chris Evans, Lakeith Stanfield. Uh, who am I forgetting? Michael Shannon. Yeah, come on. Oh, Jesus Christ. This is this is the last name. Don Johnson. If you showed me th- these names on a list, Anna De Armas is the last name. I'd be like, oh, that's like who I, who I connect with as a performer. Because she's such a good person trying to do the right thing. Oh, man. She really comes across as somebody who doesn't deserve any of this shit. <laughs> but in the end, jokes on everybody. It's yep. great. Oh, yep. so great. You should see Knives Out. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> then we have Scarlett Johansson in Marriage Story as a woman struggling with a bad divorce. Her husband cheated on her, and she is leaving him, but she's constantly worrying if she's doing the right thing and if she's doing this the right way. And this movie, this performance changed my opinion of Scarlett Johansson. I didn't really like her. Now I think she's great. So more on that in our upcoming Marriage Story bonus. Woo! <laughs> Mission accomplished. <laughs> you like Black Widow. That's great. That's great. So our nominees are Renee Zellweger for Judy, Aquafina for The Farewell, Charlize Theron for Bombshell, Ana de Armas for Knives Out, and Scarlett Johansson for Marriage Story, and the Gazzy goes to Aquafina. Yeah. Aquafina, farewell. <laughs> ha! Ha! <laughs> Unbelievable performance, and just... Such a great actress. Again, you know, she impressed me again in Jumanji the next level. She is going places. And oh, she, yes, she's she part is. of the next renaissance. And oh, I can't yes. wait to see what she does next. Oh, yes. Uh, I, yeah. I think if anybody has a chance at beating Renee Zellweger, it's Aquafina. I agree. She won the Globe for Best Actress Musical Comedy. and With an awesome speech. Yeah. yeah. I could sell this if I go on hard times. Yeah, like, shit, yeah. <laughs> this is awesome. Yeah. Oh, fun. Fuck. Oh, fantastic. <coughs> All right. We only got two left, folks. Crazy days. Best actor. <laughs> Very competitive this year. Joaquin Phoenix for Joker. Leonardo DiCaprio for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Robert Pattinson for The Lighthouse. Adam Sandler for Uncut Gems. And Adam Driver for Marriage Story. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go from the top. Joaquin Phoenix. Maybe his year for playing Arthur Fleck the man who would be Joker. And it's an unbelievable transformative performance. Of, you know, Obviously, every actor who's played the Joker has lost a lot of themselves to get into that mindset. And Joaquin fucking did it. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He did it. Yeah. He, you know, he got his golden globe. He did. <laughs> Delivered a painfully awkward speech because he is not comfortable, weirdly, in front of the camera. No, not at all. <laughs> yeah. And I, um, yeah, I, this is who I'd predict to win the Oscar, right? Yeah. I think he, you know, Joaquin is obviously a name that's been in the, uh, been in the mix for 20 years now. Yeah. I'm like, all right, uh, uh, not quite, ah, uh, not quite, ah. Uh. He's almost been there so many times. Yeah, and this, you know, this feels like the one made made a made a billion dollars. Yeah. Uh, Joker did. So. I know, right? Goddamn, it's amazing. It really is. It, it, yeah, it, it, it. Half the movie you're watching him just just kind of move and contort with a really cool score going on, and um, it's hard. It's hard for me to compare that to say Adam Driver. Um, what do you, what? What what has lasted with you from Joaquin's performance? The laugh, the laugh. If anything else, yeah. The sudden, weird laugh that just comes out when he's nervous. Yeah. That and the scene on the the uh, the Murray show. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I a lot of what stuck with me is the is uh you know shout out to Todd Phillips a lot of the shots of uh him in his apartment the the lights kind of coming in and uh you feel king of comedy a lot where you know he's like smoking and rehearsing what he's gonna do. That stuff is crazy, man. <laughs> and it, where it's just walking in with his shirt off. And You're in the mind. He of feels like he's six yeah. foot ten, and his you know his body. He doesn't look like a real human. No, it's just it's just amazing. That's to what watch. Joker is. He's not a yeah. real human. He's, yeah, he just looks like one. And and I think this movie, because it's just about him, you know, was able to go to those places. Uh, it's just so hard to compare this Joker to other Jokers. It's so hard to compare this type or style of performance to. To these other ones that we have, it's just hard. Yeah, it's really hard. But but I respect it a, a great amount. My gosh, and I love Joaquin. Right on, Leonardo DiCaprio, Rick fucking Dalton, one of the best actors in fake Hollywood, <laughs> and just watching this man's career decline as he just keeps crying his way through role after role is beautiful. And then finally watching him torch a goddamn hippie with a flamethrower in his fucking tool shed. It's just, it's perfect. It's Leo's best work in years, and he only does a movie like every four years. He's very selective. <laughs> These days, yeah, 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 for sure. He, I, yeah, he won for The Revenant, and a well-deserved award, but he could take it again. Yeah. <laughs> Rick Dalton. Rick fucking Dalton. Then we have Robert Pattinson in The Lighthouse as... A vaguely New England man who is unraveling from the beginning. If I had a steak, I'd fuck it. <laughs> Jesus. Unbelievable. Those are not the words of a rational man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. man. Again, I, I hate that he got overlooked because this, this was a performance that also changed my mind about Robert Pattinson. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I was kind of dreading his Batman. Now I can't fucking wait. Adam Sandler in Uncut Gems. This Woo! was a transformative career booster unlike anything I've ever seen. Adam Sandler completely surprised critics everywhere by showing that he has it in him to be great. Fuck yeah. He just chooses to make shitty movies because he's always working and he likes to take vacations with his friends. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. why not? Can, can you really blame him? Yeah. No, no. As long as those gems come out every, one again, every now and again, you know, Uncut fucking, Gems. Fucking Howard. Howard Ratner, man. What a guy. <laughs> this is how I win. <laughs> if he wins 
the Oscar, I want him to say that and walk off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fucking beautiful with that being. You having a good time? <laughs> yeah. Oh, and then finally, Adam Driver in Marriage Story. As a playwright, losing his wife in a brutal divorce, struggling to be a good father to a son who is almost forgetting him. And it's just, it's such a strong performance because he's struggling so hard to be strong, and then he finally just cracks. And it's, yeah, that scene is the one that got him the nomination, I bet you. And that's the one they'll show. Uh, yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, he's, he, he is, Adam Driver is so damn good. He's barely, like, just started, and he's already got two nominations under his belt, and a possible win. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's Lucky unbelievable. Ex-Marine, ex Kylo Ren, yeah. yeah. Come on. He's the Harrison Ford of the new franchise, because he's the only one who's going to have a solid career yeah. coming out of that. <laughs> Every It's weird. All three franchises, this is just a little segue. I might have talked about this in the podcast before. I might have just said it in passing. I don't know, but I'm going to say it again. All three franchises, all three trilogies of Star Wars, all have one actor come out of it who becomes a superstar. The original trilogy had Harrison Ford, the prequel trilogy had Ewan McGregor, and the new trilogy has Adam Driver. Everyone else kind of is either already established or fades away. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like Oscar Isaac is already like a... He's already well established. He's already like in his little wheelhouse. Alec Guinness was already well established. Yeah. Liam Neeson and Samuel L. Jackson were already established. But... Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher kind of had lower career options than Harrison Ford did. Hayden Christensen fucking disappeared. And I bet Daisy Ridley and John Boyega aren't going to have the kind of options that Adam Driver is going to have. Not even close. Weird how history repeats itself. Three times. Indeed. (laughs) Indeed. So, our nominees again. Joaquin Phoenix for Joker. Leonardo DiCaprio for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Robert Pattinson for The Lighthouse. Adam Sandler for Uncut Gems, and Adam Driver for Marriage Story. And this was a tough one to pick. Very tough. But we had to come to a decision. The gazzy goes to Leonardo DiCaprio. Indeed. Rick fucking Dalton wins again. Rick Dalton. I think this might be Leo's best performance of all time. Maybe. (laughs) That's a tough one to pick, but it's one of them for sure. I've thought about it a lot. I'm not just saying that, like, you know, out of nowhere. I've thought about it a lot. I love Leo. I love, oh, sure. I love a lot of his roles, but I, I just think this is... I think people are overlooking him for whatever reason. I don't know, to be cute or something? I don't know what it is. I think it's just because everyone's so floored by Joaquin that they think he's going to win. That they're not even considering other possibilities. Yeah, I know, man. Yeah. I know. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure... Yeah. Oh. All right. And that brings us to the big nomination... The big category of the year. Best movie. We have best movie, not best picture. I don't know why. Fuck it. Our nominees, just five. Tough to narrow it down, but these are the five that we narrowed it down for the best of 2019. Avengers Endgame, Jojo Rabbit, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, 1917, and Parasite. Sorry, Uncut Gems. Sorry, Joker. Sorry, Ford v. Ferrari. Sorry, Marriage Story. Sorry, Knives Out. Sorry, Jojo Rabbit. Oh, God. Yeah, not sorry, Irishman. You don't deserve it. Not sorry. necessarily, no. Yeah. This was very tough. This took us a long time to, to bicker and decide. Avengers Endgame brought an end to 22 films of incredible content, created a dramatic, heart-wrenching story of her- heroes versus villains. 
that I've already watched like 10 or 11 times since I've bought it. And it's still amazing. I still cry every time. It's a beautiful piece of cinema. Fuck you, Martin Scorsese, for saying otherwise. Yeah. Jojo Rabbit is a hilarious yet seriously dramatic story of a Hitler youth realizing that his country is wrong. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is Tarantino's ninth film telling the story of a failed TV actor and his stunt double looking for work. Yeah, it's a love letter, of, love letter yeah, of Hollywood. Yeah. Middle of the shifting sands of, of L.A. in 1969. Ah. 1917, two men are tasked with tracking down uh, one of their brothers at the front line to deliver a message that the upcoming German attack will kill them all unless the attack is stopped. It follows these two men with a continuous camera take all the way to the front line, and it is remarkable. Parasite tells the story of a lower-class family needling their way into the lives of an upper-class family and infecting their lives almost to the point where they're dependent on them, and then shit goes crazy. I don't want to say too much because you really should see this. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I can't recommend it enough, you know? Oh, yeah. It's a 10 out of 10 for me. Perfect. Actually, all of them are except for Endgame for me. This is and a, that's not to say that's not a masterpiece of its own, you know? Endgame was a 10, JoJo was a 9, Hollywood was a 9, it quickly be, is becoming a 10. Oh, that's right. JoJo also a 9 for me. 1917 was a 9. Parasite at the moment for me is an 8. But Yeah, I get Parasite a 10. It's going to jump up there if I watch it again, I know it. It's so good. Avengers Endgame, Jojo I, Rabbit. I called you after I saw it. I know. I rarely You've called never you. done that. I called you after I saw Parasite, and I was like, dude. I was worried. I'm like, are you all right? I was thinking, like, shit, do I have to come get you? Yeah, I'm, I'm like, like, no, man, I saw a really good movie. <laughs> yeah, because I saw this back in, like, early November. I was able to see it when it came first came yeah. out here. So good. Wonderful. I got to see it on its last legs at the draft house, so I'm glad I got to do that. Let's go. did this. Avengers Endgame, Jojo Rabbit, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, 1917, and Parasite. What is going to take the big award at the first annual Gazzies? Best movie goes to 1917. Sam Mendes. That was a film that revolutionized war movies and stayed in my heart, and I... I've been thinking about it ever since. Yeah, it remains, remains there. I keep thinking about it, keep telling people about it, like, oh, it was just, it was so, you know, it's the spectacle, you know? Once Upon a Time was so, so, so close, but there's something, it, yeah. it, it held it the whole, the whole time. It did. Since July. We've had, that was our intended film until we saw 1917. We like, Shit. <laughs> it was crazy. Uh, I've never had a film completely change me like that. It was nuts. Yeah, just, just, Almost erase <laughs> what's happened before, you know. And you're yeah. like, shit. Everything's new now. Everything. I yeah. My perspective has changed. <laughs> Sam Mendes came out with his yeah his masterpiece and the masterpiece of the year. Absolutely. 1917. Beautiful. Ah. That, yeah. So that is the Gazzy Awards. Let's take you through the winners. Our, our winners. One last time. Biggest disappointment. El Camino, a Breaking Bad movie. Best Production Design, 1917. Best Stunt Work, John Wick Chapter 3, Parabellum. Best Villain, The Goddamn Hippies from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. (coughs) Best Biopic, Ford v. Ferrari. Best Sequel, Avengers Endgame. Best Cinematography, 1917. Best Visual Effects, Avengers Endgame. 
Best Score, Thomas Newman for 1917. Best Screenplay, Quentin Tarantino for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Best Director, Sam Mendes for 1917. Best Supporting Actress, Sodan Park, Parasite. Best Supporting Actor, Brad Pitt, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Best Actress, Aquafina, The Farewell. Best Actor, Leonardo DiCaprio, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And Best Movie, 1917. Wow. Hell of a year. It's going to be very tough to top. Probably not going to see another one until 2029. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those nines are special. <laughs> but until then, we will continue to do this every year because we always we don't usually dis, you know we don't usually agree with all the awards. We think there's stuff that gets overlooked. We like to put a spotlight on that. Yeah, and these are just some of our favorites and what we thought deserved awards this year. There is no statue because we're not going to go find Sam Mendes and give him a gazzy. <laughs> This is just metaphorical. We, yeah. <laughs> but that's okay. We have a good time. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> it's, fun, it's fun to talk about what happened uh, the past 365 days. <laughs> so this will be launching on Sunday, October... Uh, no, why did I say October? On Sunday, January 19th. I believe we'll have Salem's Lot for you this week. So check that out on Wednesday. Thank you for listening. And we'll see you at the Oscars. <laughs>